Welcome to the very third episode of Meet Mom. I'm Meet. Hi, I'm Meet's mom. My name is Poonam and I'm a conscious parenting coach. Okay, let's get right into it. I'm coming up with it on the fly. Let's talk about let's talk about fear. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about fear and let's talk about how that influences us to make decisions or not make decisions. Yeah. Fear um it depends on um where the fear is rooted. So if it's superfluous like in everyday circumstances, like let's say um a child does something and they are fearful that uh, the parent is not going to like it. So it's kind of on the go, superfluous, momentary in the moment. Um, that kind of fear does not have um, a lo- long-lasting impact as in for the fear itself, but it might drive um, certain kinds of behaviors for the child. Like, for hmm. example, if they're scared, um, and fearful that of the consequences of their act, they might lie. So a lot of parents come to me and they say, you know, our children lie. What can, can we do about it? Mm. So, and I always tell them, try to find the underlying reason. So most of the times they lie because either they are fearful or they are ashamed of their behavior. So they don't want you to know. <clears throat> Or they have, um, they they wanted something, and they knew that you're not going to provide it to them. So, so that's kind of a superfluous fear. But then there are some kinds of fears that we that are etched in our memory every time we encounter a similar situation. Um, that uh, fear is triggered within us, and then we react in a certain way based on how we protected ourselves from being hurt previously Mm. for that fear does that make sense yeah i want to go back to before we go off on a tangent i want to go back to what you said about your if you're talking about your kids so Mm -hmm. how do you go what kind of questions can you ask them to identify identify what the root problem is yeah so if you suspect that they're lying or if you definitely know they're lying and most parents would know that they're lying like it's for simple things kids are really really simple human beings they're just exploring life it's just that they don't have um, enough self-control because their brains are not developed yet so sometimes you know they don't have the vocabulary to explain things and then they do things and they're exploring but then they know it's won't be liked by their parents so you could ask them you know let's say you asked your child to brush their teeth Mm. and they don't want to brush their teeth and Mm. they come back and say I brushed my teeth and you know they haven't so you can say uh, it looks like um, you haven't brushed your teeth but you're telling me you brushed your teeth Um, can I try to understand, you know, what made you do this, you know, but when you say that, don't be accusatory, like you, you have to be very calm. 
and you have to show your genuine interest in understanding how they are feeling and not making them feel guilty or feel ashamed. Because if you do that, they're going to do it again Mm. because they're being, you know, put down or made to feel inferior because of the act. So you just say, it looks like you didn't feel like brushing your teeth. And you've come back and told me you've brushed your teeth, but I know you haven't. So what's happening there? How can I help you do it? Can I come with you? Can yeah, we well, brush together? If you if you accuse them, then they will slowly associate more and more negative uh, exactly. thoughts towards that one thing, and it will yes, yes. Get caught. Yeah. What about um? So that's one thing where it's a simple simple thing that you fear and you can get around it by having a talk um last time we talked about lying etc if you continue to go down that lying spiral it um it contributes to the fear um yeah each feeds into the other so the more you lie the more you know you are in the wrong the more you are fearful. And the more you are fearful, the more you're going to lie. So how do you get out of the fear spiral? Um, yeah, so, so basically, um, if you are an adult and you're in the habit of lying, you need to uh, constructively reflect on what, what leads you to do that. But if you are a child, then as a parent, it's your responsibility to help them navigate the feelings or the behavior behind that fear for them to understand how to navigate through it. So like I just said, you know, you don't need to accuse them of lying. Instead, you need to tell them, I'm here for you. Can we discuss this together? Because we don't lie in this house, okay? That's not good. But I, be, I believe you must have a reason um, that kind of makes you lie. So are you like, are you scared of sharing or are you feeling ashamed about something? Let's explore this together. And I'm sure we can find a solution. So that way you are actually acknowledging that there is something else and that you are willing to understand that and that you're not angry about it. You're willing to help them. Um, Very important message that you need to give to your children almost every day, or it's, you can never give this message enough is for them to understand that you love them no matter what, no matter what, you know, nothing changes that. And that's the most difficult thing um, that you can pass on to your child because Sometimes you say that in words, oh, I love you. But every time your child does something wrong, you withdraw that love. I'm not talking to you. You did that. I'm not talking to you. So they are getting the message that the love is being withdrawn. Okay. So that message should never go back to your child. Even like, you know, through the tone of your voice or um, your actions. And always remember, your actions speak louder than your words. Yeah, let's look at it on the flip side. Is there certain times it can be a good thing, having a little bit of fear? Yes, uh, 
uh, when it's to do with your safety, definitely. Yeah. So um, when it's to do with your safety, fear is good. Actually, um, scientifically, um, you know how you have you heard about the fight and flight theory? Yeah. So our brains are actually designed that their const our nervous system is constantly uh, screening our environment to see if there's any kind of threat around us. So back in the day, you know, when we would we would go out um, in the forest or something, you know, you would be your nervous system is constantly vigilant. Is there any threat? Do I need to protect myself? So that that part of our brain is actually always sensing for any kind of threat. You know how when you walk into a room and you some you meet someone, you look at their face, you instantly know they're happy, they're sad, they're angry. Yeah. So that's that's your um, nervous system actually gauging what the environment holds for you. Okay. So so in that sense, when you face any threat, your your brain gets the signal of fear. So how that works biologically is that um, when your brain gets that signal that there is a danger, your brain pushes all the blood to your physical body so you can either fight the danger or you can flight, you know? Mm. And if if there is a situation where your brain actually thinks that you can't fight and you can't um, flight, then you freeze. Okay. So that's how we deal with danger. So if there is a threat to your, like the, if there's going to be a physical harm or you know that there is someone, um, let's say, armed and he's going to hurt you, that's when fear is a good thing but apart from that fear is not a good thing so when so it is apart not, from flight and flight of flight you're saying fear is not a good thing um yes i mean the, the not specifically fight or flight what i'm saying is when there is a fear to protect you from some kind of harm that fear is good do you do you feel a fear about anything in your everyday routine? I wouldn't say so. Mm-hmm. Were you would... ever fearful in your childhood about something? Not that I can recall about any specific things. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, I think I had fear of dark. Actually, yeah. I think I had that too, but it went away. Yeah, it, over a period of time, then it went away. But I think when I was really little, I had fear of dark. Yeah, but I don't know. I think a fear of dark is not necessarily a fear of dark. I think it's more a fear of the unknown combined yes. with an overactive imagination. That's right. That's great. Because <clears throat> you don't know. But as you grow older and older, there's more and more things that you know. Yeah. You can still be fearful in the dark as an adult about but that might have more to do with the other environmental factors there might be something else that's contributing to it like inside your own house it's dark you're walking around no fear you go outside 
safe neighborhood, no fear. But if you know there's things, you know, or your neighborhood is not that safe, you go outside, it's dark, you're fearful. But it's not necessarily dark that's making you fearful. Yeah, that's correct. Mm. And that's why, you know, until and unless you instill fear in your children, your children are not fear, fearful of dark. Well, because we tell them stories yeah. of what could happen and that makes them fearful. That's actually a very good point. I don't think children are fearful of anything at the beginning. No. You teach no. Them. Yes. Yes, we do. I guess certain things you teach them are important to be taught to be fearful of. But, yeah. But there's others that they pick up that they necessarily shouldn't. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you start parenting consciously, I think um, you can prevent a lot of this from happening. But because we parent on autopilot, even we don't know what we are doing. So what does so, that mean? How do I parent consciously? What does that mean? So if you, if you are conscious about how, what you say and how you say it and how it makes how the child makes meaning of it. So if you start being conscious about that, like I just said, you know, when um, uh, you say, okay, you didn't do this, I'm not going to talk to you. So I, I see a lot of parents doing that. Oh, you've done this, you're not getting an iPad. You've done this, you're not getting the ice cream. So you're, you're kind of punishing them for their actions where they have no control over their actions, like they don't even know why. So that creates a feeling of withdrawn love, okay? So, or the, the parent is withdrawing privileges, which means the parent is angry because the child did not meet the parent's expectations, right? So it's conditional. So that actually is harmful. So if you're conscious that what you're doing is having an adverse impact on the psyche of the child, so they, you know, that that's how they they form their the lasting impressions about how attachments work in relationships, and it it impacts them all their life with their friends, with their partners, with their siblings. Um, because that's how they understand attachment works. That's the transaction. So if you're not conscious about it, which most people aren't, like I've done that in the past, um, then you don't know the impact that you're causing by doing things that you've just learned from the environment and we keep repeating it, you know, generation after generation. Yeah, I, I get the concept, but... To try and put that into practice, does that mean every time you have an interaction, you then immediately after try and dissociate yourself from the interaction, look at it from the outside and go, what exactly happened? Or how my what the other person was thinking, what I was thinking? How do you do that? So it takes a lot of practice. The first thing is that you need to be aware of how things happen. So parenting is the most difficult thing that people do. Okay, so there is no perfect parent. Mm. 
So never feel guilty about what you've done in the past, but you can start making changes from now on. Okay. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. You know, don't feel guilty. Oh, I did that in past. No, start from here. But from here, if you are very conscious and if you want to deliberately help your child understand love and compassion and empathy, then you have to display it. Okay. So when you become conscious of things, so it's a constant learning journey. If you can just remember one thing, and that one thing is that when your child is emotionally dysregulated, if they are lying, if they are yelling, if they are screaming, if they are throwing a tantrum, just remember that they don't have the capacity in their brains. The brains are not developed enough to figure out how to express their feeling what they're feeling. So they are expressing it in this way. Okay. Mm. So they're emotionally dysregulated. So you need to keep your calm and not lose your own emotional regulation. Okay. And whatever message that you want to give to your child, like you have to have boundaries, you have to tell them what's wrong, what's right, what's wrong, but you come back when they are calm and you are calm. That's the best point to start at. <clears throat> Yeah. So that's when you can start your journey of being conscious. So that's when you are pre- showing that you are present in that moment and you you are the adult in that dynamic and you need to control yourself. And from there on, whenever you say things, you can later on reflect what you said and how that might impact your child. And slowly and gradually, you will learn to control yourself. Just imagine the child is angry and they're yelling at you and we instantly start yelling back. So what are we displaying? Well, we're displaying in that uh, instance, you're potentially displaying a behavior that that they can then copy later on as well. Yeah, we are displaying that if you can't control your emotions, I can't control them either. So always remember you are the adult in the equation. But we are also a collection of all our experiences. And you have to remember that a child has not had as many as you. Yes, exactly. But then we've formed those patterns and we've we've formed those patterns in our childhood. But then if you're conscious, you would want to break those patterns so you don't pass it on to the next generation. So it, it is a very important task in every human's life to break that those patterns because you're just making a huge difference in the generations to come. Yeah. So you consciously tread that. And of course you need coaches, conscious coaches or someone who helps you navigate that, who shows you how, how to Im- improve yourself and implement those techniques. Like it's not, like you listen to something one day and you'll change instantly. It's It needs constant practice. Yes. How do we, okay, I'll bring it, bring it to this. I'll bring you an example of a fear. We've just discussed fear in terms of, you know, like child not understanding something. And what about irrational fears? So someone I know is very, very afraid of birds. Yeah. 
there's no rationale behind it. It doesn't matter what kind of bird it is. It, I mean, you can understand it if it's magpies or stuff like that, but it doesn't matter. It could be a small sparrow. It can be anything. And that bird could be, you know, 100 meters away from them in the sky. And they will look up and they will constantly keep track of where that bird is so that when it, so it doesn't come near. And that has, is also something that came from their childhood where they had an experience. So how do you yeah. deal with irrational fears? So um, basically, it's not irrational. There must be an incident in their childhood where that fear was developed. So what happens is in that situation when they must have encountered something, your brain actually registers that experience. So we we call them um, that experience is etched in your neural pathways. Okay, so, and it's just not to do with birds, it could be any kind of experience. If you if you see extreme violence, if you have had a traumatic experience, whatever it is, it's etched in your neural pathways. So our brain is actually storing that information. So you might forget the incident, but that trigger is stored in your neural pathways. So every time you encounter a similar situation, so in this case, when you you see a bird, your brain immediately goes, goes to that neural pathway and brings that experience. And your body actually experiences it again. So when you experience it again, you would have the same reaction that you had back then. So if you if it's etched that your your response was that you were extremely fearful in that situation, you're going back to that action again and again, but you don't actually remember the actual incident. But this this is not uh, permanent. Like there are techniques in neurolinguistic uh, world where you can actually go back to that memory and make a different meaning of it and then you can get rid of it so what's the first step how do we how do you get started on that so you'll need to work with someone who is uh, well versed with nlp nlp is nlp is neuro linguistic programming so mm-hmm. basically our brain um the neural pathways in our brain um have memories stored in them but through words, we can go back to that incident in your mind mm. and change the meaning of it. So people who are qualified NLP practitioners can help you change the narrative around this experience. Therapy can help too. I think yeah. psychologists can help too. Do you know yeah. any people for this? Is there any resources we can share with everyone? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I've been studying NLP as well, but I haven't completed my qualifications yet. I'm halfway through it. But I know um, practitioners that I can refer. And that's all we have time for today. And if you have any other questions that you would like mom to answer, well, feel free to email us at meetmumcontact at gmail.com. See you in the next episode.